Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Zero the Day with Pastor Neil. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting knowledge that is engaging, transforming, 
empowering listeners to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around them. You're welcome to join with us in this illuminating journey by calling our number, 917-388-4293. You can join us in the live chat. We are Black Talk Radio. You can join us in the live chat. You can follow us on Twitter. You can email us at ltneal at cox.net. We're on Facebook. Oh, man, we're everywhere. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, Zira is all about sowing seeds of life and liberation through Christ. So, Zira, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a Hebrew word for seed, and that's what we're doing here. We're showing, we're uh, sowing seeds of knowledge, wisdom, and all of that. And I know I've said that before, but I can't overemphasize that. So, look, make sure that you call in. Uh, we're on Skype, or you can chat, text, hey, whatever. Just feel free. Uh, also, we have a, a blog on our site, so uh, read the blog. Feel free to leave comments about that. Well, everyone is back from the weekend, and I. Uh, I hope that you had a wonderful weekend. I did. I had a very enjoyable re- weekend. Um, it rained, and I, I'm not complaining. I woke up to the rain yesterday, and I felt good. I had three services to do yesterday, and the Lord blessed us to be able to go out and to three three different services in three different cities, and and the Spirit kept us refreshed, alert, and able to perform our duties, and we're thankful to that. So we are uh, we're just glad to see another Monday. I know some people dread Mondays. I I'm kinda iffy about it right now. Still summer break. <laughs> but uh for those of you who have to go to work, we wish you that God would give you the energy and the strength and hopefully the enthusiasm to do your job great well. Now, to start off I got an exciting news story and uh you know, it answers the question that riddle the an- that ancient riddle that we've all been wondering. What comes first? Who came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, British scientists now have an answer to that. (laughs) And the answer, drum roll, the answer is the chicken. Yeah, like nobody figured that out. The scientists found that a protein found only in the chicken's ovaries is necessary for the formation of the egg. And according to uh, a paper that they produced Wednesday, therefore, the egg can only exist if it has been created inside a chicken. Now, for those of you who are pro-lifers, that's a good argument. That's a good argument. That is a good argument. I say that because, you know, that there's the argument about what is what's first, is, is human embryo or a baby or human. That's a good argument. We've, we've answered the question about what comes first, the chicken or the egg, so now we can put, a rest, put to rest about the embryo, and we can say, for those of you who support pro-life, uh, even if you're pro-choice, you can still come to the conclusion that it is uh, a living being. All right. Now, with date 91 on the Gulf oil crisis, and there's actually some good news. I mean, I, I was excited when I heard about it. You know, uh, last week we talked about them putting on this cap and they're pressurizing it and to see if it would stand some pressure, uh, and it was unsuccessful. But they fixed uh, the faulty leak valve or whatever it was. They fixed it, and it has been performing well for the past three or four days. The pressure has been withstanding the pressure. And for those of us around the Gulf Coast, in the Gulf Coast, and those who want to visit the Gulf Coast, that is great news. Now, the the national media has not really been producing much uh, good news regarding this, but, uh, I mean... um, in, in light of this, um, charter fishing 
is back open. Charter boating is back open. So people, don't be scared to come back down to the south, <laughs> to the beaches in the south, to the coast. Uh, there's a lot of fun. It's still warm. It's still friendly. And uh, the oil is not there. Well, you know, they're, they're doing the best they can skimming it. But, you know, the cap is leaked. Uh, the, the well is capped. And so far, there's no leak. They're saying, BP's saying that uh, once they remove this pressure thing, whatever it is, once they remove that, there may be a little leak, uh, not a lot, not as much as has been leaking, you know, not the millions of barrels or millions of gallons that was leaking uh, out. Maybe, just, you know, we don't know, they don't know, but they're saying it's going to be a little, a little leak. But that's only going to be temporary because once they get it all taken care of, they're going to... Uh, Leave it closed. Uh, they're not going to reopen it and redrill or anything like that, but they do have some relief wells that they are planning to have finished by mid-August. So hopefully uh, we can get back to the business at hand. And, and uh, for those of you who are not aware, there are a lot of people who are uh, is greatly concerned. As a matter of fact, here in Lafayette on tomorrow, uh, I'm sorry, on Wednesday, they'll be hosting a rally against the moratorium uh, that's President uh, Obama is trying to uh, get imposed on offshore drilling. Now, it's only going to affect deep water offshore drilling, but the deep water offshore drilling affects hundreds of thousands of workers here in Louisiana, Texas, Alabama, uh, Mississippi. So it, it would hurt, it, it would be very devastating to the economy anyway. But they they're holding a rally for this, and if you're in the Lafayette area, it's open to the public. You're able to go and participate and um, voice your opinion on this. Uh, and, and, and this is showing to be a failed policy. We're going to talk about a little bit about this later, but it's showing to be another failed um, initiative for Obama when it comes to um, public opinion versus um whatever the uh, environmental concerns and all of this stuff. And we'll talk about that a little later. I don't want to jump ahead about myself. Uh, but for those of you who did not believe God is involved in this whole Gulf Shore thing, I mean, i got to say, I know without a shadow of doubt God has been involved. God's hand has been in this. reason is, and I'm not trying to be an over-spiritual, but, uh, you know, we haven't had a storm come out, and that's just amazing. They've been forecasting, they forecasted 18 uh, named storms, with at least nine major ones, and uh, so far it's it's uh, toward the you know mid July and nothing. Uh, and we did have uh, one tropical storm, Alex, that that came in, and another tropical depression, but they didn't come where the oil is, and that's a great thing. That's God's hand, and I, you know I just thank God for that. So uh, God is involved in this. You know you find Him anywhere. I got another story I want to talk about. Uh, Real quick, two other stories regarding Congress last week passed a historic uh, finance uh, reform legislation. Now, it's supposed to regulate banks, and it's supposed to, and I emphasize supposed to, uh, put it, uh, put, I guess you can say put an end to uh, the things that led to the near financial collapse that we experienced about two and a half years ago. Uh, where we had to bail out banks and AIG and all those things, and, and of course Wall Street is, you know, they're the biggest sufferers of this. Uh, and they're uh, again, you know, they're they're feeling that uh, President Obama and Congress is 
battling against them. And if you're not, if you don't know anything, they're some of the biggest contrib- uh, contributors, contributors to uh, political parties and political races. And it kind of feeling like it's a slap in the face to them. But you know, we won't ever see real, true reform because again, it's almost like politics and big corporate things work together. You know, but hey. I don't know anything about that. I'm just saying that they passed the legislation, and they're hoping that it would uh, stop those too big to fail businesses, banks, and all these other companies. And, but, you know, you and I, the average Joe, we're still waiting on our bailout. <laughs> uh, here's something from the weird news, okay? The weird news. Uh, an Ohio lady bought a uh, LeBron James pendant a uh, couple of some time ago. She bought it from a yard sale for five dollars and she she looked at it and she examined it and she she thought that the diamonds and everything might be real. So she had it appraised. And it ended up being appraised for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> now that's a <laughs> that's some news after all the LeBron James hype, you know, here she finds this pendant, buys it for five bucks, and it ends up being worth ten thousand dollars. And and uh, if if you're interested in buying it, she's selling it on eBay, and I hope you got deep pockets because <laughs> it's worth it. Uh, if you're a LeBron fan, if you're a fan of the King, as he's called, uh, then you might want to look into uh, getting that. Lastly, I want to I want to leave you with this hilarious story. I mean, you know, you find some weird stuff on the news, and I know people can do some crazy stuff, and there are some really dumb criminals. But here's a really dumb criminal story that gets your week started off right with a good laugh. All right, all right. A New Jersey man was charged with shoplifting, <laughs> and he paid his bail with phony money. Okay, so he's he's found guilty of shoplifting pays his bill with phony money, and then he says he has been robbed. He says he's been overcharged for $200. He goes back to the bail company and demands a refund. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the man, 25, was arrested on July 7th, accused of shoplifting at a clothing store and supermarket in uh, Cinnamon, Ohio. Uh, I'm sorry, New Jersey. Uh, he was locked up for having two outstanding warrants. And he paid $400 bail in cash. Police later realized the money was fake. But before they could find him, the man showed up and argued his bail that should have only been $200. And he wanted his $200 back. Oh, my God. (laughs) Dumb criminals. Oh, my God. If I ever break the law, may it never be for anything dumb like that. Well, we're about to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the two subjects that I really want to talk about. We're going to talk about the presidential polls that's going on, and, of course, we've got to talk about um, this thing with the NAACP and the Tea Party, and we're going to get into that uh, when we come back. But first, let's have some good music playing, all right? Be back right after this. Check your speakers. This ain't a self-help song or another makeover song, but how it made me over. <laughs> you did. I like me. Yo, you like me? Cause I like me. Do you like me? 
Now, of course, we know who is strongly opposing and uh, disapproving. He's finding a lot of disenchant, uh, uh, disenchantment with uh, white male independent voters, of course, you know, uh, a lot of female independent voters and those um, center moderate um, Democrats. He's finding out they're they're finding out that um, what he said he would do he is not doing and of course as I stated earlier he's finding a lot of uh, getting a lot of disapproval from the business sector of this country um, a lot of the money that he got in his campaign uh, came from uh, big business big corporations Wall Street companies and now they're finding out that he is approving things that are going against what they, you know, what they're doing. Basically, it's almost as if he's shutting them out. Now, the flip side of that, everybody remembers TARP and uh, the bailouts from 2008 and 2009. And, you know, those to the to the right, uh, mostly uh, Republicans and, uh, of course, some Democrats, some Blue Dog Democrats, uh, they were opposed to bailing out uh, the TARP money and all of this stuff, the economic stimulus plan and uh, that was supposed to stimulate the economy and do all these things, create jobs. And unfortunately, we're at a job percent rating. Uh, uh, the unemployment rate is still at a high 9%. And, you know, he promised it wouldn't get above 8% or something to that nature. And uh, there are a lot of... Uh, disgruntled, unemployed people, and, and at this very moment, he's in the Rose Garden making, the, uh, uh, he's making a speech about uh, extending unemployment benefits. So that's good for some people, but it's still not creating the jobs that he promised the stimulus money would create, and that's upset a lot of people, especially, um, you know, working-class people who are still looking for income for jobs, and, and, and it hurt the business sector in some areas. But what does this say? My question is what does this say about the president? Now while he was campaigning there were those of him uh, th- there were those people saying that he was inexperienced. There were those who were saying that um he was an amateur. There was those you know, there was a lot of stuff saying that was going on while he was campaigning. And I'm gonna be upfront with you. I didn't vote for uh President Obama. I did not vote for him based solely on his uh Policies that he was promoting had nothing to do with his race, had nothing to do with it. I mean, I just looked at the policies. Uh, when you research what he had, 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 how he had voted while he was a senator and as a state senator in, in Illinois, you know, I could not support him based simply because of the fact that uh, a lot of what he supported was uh, what goes against um, what we support as believers in Christianity of Christ, you know. Some of it, you know, and every believer, I understand every believer is not, you know, ultra conservative and every believer is not ultra liberal. We're liberal on some things and we're conservative on some things. And it's about finding the balance and voting uh, not just your moral or your ethics, but your values. And I couldn't I couldn't support I I pray for him every day and I pray, you know, you know, and McCain, I'll be honest with you, you, you know, McCain wasn't much better, <laughs> you know. It it was kind of the, the good, to, you know, kind of the lesser of two evils in a way, you know. Um, but it, it, uh, he, he is a brilliant man. 
we have probably one of the most brilliant presidents in the office today that we ever had since probably Lincoln and Washington. And you got to give him credit for that, you know. And I admire the way the guy keeps cool under all the pressure. You got to admire that for him. But it act, you know, you still got to wonder why is his popularity decreasing? If he's so cool, calm, and collective, and he's so brilliant, why is it decreasing? And when you look at what he's supported so far since he's been in president, just about everything that he supported has gone against the majority opinion of the country. And that is what's causing a great drop in his opinion in his uh in the polls. And you gotta understand uh the the vast majority of the people who supported him as a candidate supported him based on the belief that he was not Washington and usual as usual. You know, they supported him based on the belief that he was changed and that he was uh middle center. You know, he was a centrist politically and that he was not backed by anybody. And, of course, you you know all about the um, his affiliations with uh, Reverend Jeremiah Wright, with uh, all these other people who are considered to be extremists um, and and how uh, the, the right media, uh, uh, conservative media bashed him on for this and in some points, they, they did a great job in bringing it out because the mainstream media was not addressing it at all. Uh, and in some ways, they uh, they helped his cause because by focusing so much on the negative uh, aspect of who he was affiliated with and all of this stuff and um, things of that nature, they helped get elected because they pushed him in more favorable positions with the people who, you know, saw him as, you know, he's biracial. They saw him as what the country needed for this time. And, you know, you know, some people will still argue that. Some people will say, no, he's not. Um, but, again, you know, his polls are down. Now, here's the other thing. Uh, you know, there's a substantial degree of polarization that's, that's taken on so early in this administration. He's still just two years into his uh, uh, administration. Oh, well, not quite two years yet into his uh, his term, and you see the polarization that's occurring because you know Republicans basically have he has lost all virtually all the Republican support on anything. You know they're shooting down just everything that he is proposing, even the good stuff that, and I can't understand that. I, you know I don't I, I I understand some of the things that they're taking issue with, but. Most of the things that they're just shooting down is, you know, is just partisan. And he, we saw with the health care bill uh, how partisan was. We saw with the TARP and uh, the stimulus plan. It was all, everything was partisan. And now we see, you know, just talking about um, President uh, President Obama, your, your, your call to be on one side. You know, you can't, you can't um, be in the middle. You have to be for against either you for the president or you're racist. <laughs> and I, I'm serious. That's with black folk and white folk. Either you support the president wholeheartedly, or you're racist because you don't. Now this is nothing new. This this has been going on since the inception of the country. So it's nothing new. It's just a it's just the fact that we have a black president or uh, a biracial president, and this tension, this partisanship, this polarity has gone to the extreme. 
and you know you had those folk who thought Bush was just the savior, you know, and I don't, I really don't understand how those folks saw that or thought that, but they did, you know, Bush. Uh, you gotta, I, I still kind of wrestle with this. I, I think Bush was great in how he handled the country uh, during nine one one, and I think he. Uh, with with uh, with concerning the faith of Christians and all of this, I think he did an outstanding job. But uh, he wasn't a conservative. You know, he talked about compassionate conservatism. He was not a conservative. He spent more. <laughs> oh my God, he spent. We had a surplus, a budget surplus when he came into office, and we ended up in this deficit because he spent it. And he didn't just spend it on the war. He spent more domestically than he did on, in, in foreign, you know, on the war. So, you know, for all those people who who's hailing Bush at this great president, you know, I wouldn't say he was a great president. You know, he was good and, you know, he stuck to his T's and I's and all that stuff. But I won't say you know, he was a great president, you know. But, hey, he did what he was supposed to do while he was in the had the job and, he left gracefully, and I'm glad of that. And you know, and there are those people who are talking about Obama. You know, the funny thing is, uh, they were calling Obama the Antichrist for crying out. Loud. Now that made absolutely no sense. And for those of you wondering, where in the world do I stand with Obama? I support my president. I don't care who it is. You know, I'm going to support the president, be Republican, Democrat. I'm support him. I'm pray for him. Uh, a lot of the policies that he's been pushing and good, I have, I do not support. And I want you to understand it firmly. I know, you know, black people are supposed to support <laughs> no matter what, but, you know, you got to learn to question things and don't just go wrong with the program. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break, and we are going to come back and talk a little bit about, a little bit more about um, the president. I've got a song, I ain't got no
All right, welcome back to Zero Today with your host, me, myself, and I, Lorenzo, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Pastor Zoe, whatever you want to call me, hey, I'll answer to it. <laughs> We're glad to be back on the air. Listen, we want to strongly encourage you to communicate with us, join in the show, call our line, 917-388-4293, join us in the chat room on blogtalkradio.com, um, leave us an email, ltneal at cox.net, and share with us on Twitter, on Facebook, share with us, follow with us. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, let's get right back into our topic at hand. We're still talking about uh, presidential polls. Um, we talked about how he is losing uh, in the race um, when it comes to popularity, at, you know, his approval rating. Some have it as low as 43%. Some have it as high as 56%. Uh, uh, you know, it depends on where you go and who you're looking to. And where you want to get your information from, but uh, it is very clear that a lot of America is not approving his job right now, and that could change. You know, he's still early in the in his term, uh, and that can change. It's based on what he decides to do. Uh, he just he recently invited former President Bill Clinton to the White House to discuss. Uh, get counsel, I guess you can say, on what you should do. Now, if you're familiar uh, with President Clinton did something great. Uh, 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 you know, he was a Democrat, and I voted for him once. <laughs> but he did something great. Now, he and Newt Gingrich balanced the budget. You know, they came up with the contract for America in 94, uh, somewhere in there, and they balanced the budget. And he got some strong, I mean, he stimulated the economy. We had some big boom business in the 90s, and we had a good ride, you know. And, and you know, boy, I sound like I'm a Clinton supporter, don't I? <laughs> but, you know, he, if Obama gets the right insight and gets the right advice and makes the right decision, those numbers could change. Um, what, what really is... Uh, the polling is showing that there are deep-seated underlying economic concerns. Eighty-three percent say they are worried that the steps Mr. Obama is taking uh, to fix the economy will not work. And in their opinion, it's only going to get worse. Now, according to a Gallup poll, 78 percent are worried about inflation growing, and 69 percent say that they are worried about the increasing role of the government and the U.S. economy. So, People are trying to get the message to Mr. Obama, uh, President Obama, that it's all about jobs. You know, they passed a massive health care bill, and you know, again, uh, a vast majority of the population didn't want it, but they did it anyway, and that has contributed to his polls. Uh, uh, this Arizona uh, immigration law is where uh, about 75% of the people in the state voted for it, approved it, and like it, yet the Justice Department is suing the state because they don't approve of it, uh, and they're finding their ways to get And, you know, and when you look at um, probably the one that's plaguing him most right now with conservatives, uh, especially Glenn, Ble Glenn Beck, is the, the New Black Panther Party, uh, how the Justice Department has dismissed that, that case and how everybody's ignoring blatant, outright uh, poll intimidation that was going on in Philadelphia. So that's, you know, that's affecting it. And, of course, he's being ransacked by Tea Party and um, all of that's just out, you know, he's just making everybody mad. And, you know, 
I, I say this, and I, I, I say it at my church, and I say it to people all the time. I think a vast majority of this is, you know, we still have not really overcome race, and we still have some racial issues, and the large, a large part of the people who are uh, upset or angry or voicing dissent against the president, including uh, those who are openly dissenting with him, you know, in his administration, probably some of that has to do with the fact that he's, you know, not their color. <laughs> I said it, I meant it, and, you know, that's a reality we have to deal with as Americans. You know, I'm in the Deep South, so I could talk about it, you know. <laughs> Those of you on the East Coast, West Coast, or listening out of the country, you may not get an idea what, you know, the South is still like in some places. It, we still see it. It's still there. Racism is still there. For those you think that racism has gone away, uh, I don't think so. And I speak from a black perspective, which leads me into this this next topic of uh, the NAACP. All right, yeah, that's uh, let me. <laughs> the NAACP approved a resolution uh, this past week uh, during their national convention, the 101st National Convention, uh, that condemns what they consider racist elements or fractions in the Tea Party. Now, it made national headlines because Fox News reported saying that they're calling the Tea Party racist, and they did not call the Tea Party racist, okay? They did not call it racist. They simply said they need, the Tea Party needs to address those racial facts, the racist factions in itself. And you got to admit, they are there. But, uh, and if you don't believe it, uh, just this week, uh, the de facto leader of the Tea Party, Tea Party movement, uh, had to kick one of the groups out. And uh, they have this other group within the Tea Party uh, that's affiliated with the movement called the Tea Party Federation. Um, what happened is that they kicked them out because one of its members or leaders wrote a fictional letter that he called Colored People to President Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> and um, I, I was offended by it. Uh, because it was it was just ridiculous, and it was racist. And, you know, you have to go read it. You can look it up online, um, the Tea Party Federation. I do not have that information. Forgive me for not having that information. Now, I deeply respect the NAACP. I was involved in the NAACP as a teenager and as a college student. I kind of grew up and saw that in, on the national level they have lost their relevance. On the local level, they're still relevant, but on the national level, they have lost their relevance. Um, they're they're supporting most of the things that they're supporting are progressive liberal ideas that uh, keep black folk oppressed. You know, I I didn't scrunch my tongue. Most of what they say, most of what they support, uh, many of the candidates that they endorse uh, do not have the black interest, uh, black people at in their interest, and yet they still endorse them and support them, and uh, at the national level, they are irrelevant, and it's evident because when they made, the, you know, they got attention when they made this resolution, and they had a hundred other resolutions to address. And one of them was the jobs, uh, disenfranchised African Americans who are not working. And what did they get? What did they put? What did they push? They pushed this. They didn't promote all the other ones that they were saying were of higher priorities to them. The one they leaked out to the press was this one condemning the Tea Party and its racial uh, factions. 
And, you know, of course I have a problem with that because, you know, why don't you look at what you're really talking about in your conference? Why don't you talk about, you know, you're talking about jobs and you're talking about the economy. Why didn't you leak that out to the press on a national level? Now, on the local level, they're still doing things. um, On the local level, you still have those people who see the injustices in and they confront them direct on. Uh, Now, on the local level, they're still needed because, you know, there's so much that goes on that gets neglected by the national media and the local media. And if uh, organizations such as the NAACP, uh, the Urban League, uh, uh, CORE, um, all of those groups, those black groups, the SCLC, uh, if those groups were not existing on the local level, a lot of us would not get anything done. Black folk, you know, they lobby for us. They do good things. But on the national level, these are, there's a disconnect. And, and let let me preface this. Let me let me say I'm, I'm a member. Uh, I'm not a member of the NAACP, uh, uh, but I'm I'm affiliated with you know Black Church, the African Methodist Episcopal Church, and pretty much they run hand in hand. Uh, not together, but they run hand in hand when it comes to social issues, social justice. Uh, they would work together to get us where we are today as Black Americans. But um, it's just amazing that they are disenfranchised in ways that you can't believe. So, uh, I did a vote. I did a poll. I, I did a survey, and I want to share some of you uh, some of the results of the survey that I get that I uh, put out. Now, I did this survey before the NAACP did um, had their convention, and uh, I want to share some of you. Now, I asked, uh, I put it up on Facebook and several other places, and I had a great response. Um, now, it was total percent, and um, there is a margin of error about 3.6%, so it's, it's a good good margin of error. But um, when I asked these questions, uh, how many people voted in the last election, any election in the last four years, local, state, and federal, 100% did? Uh, how many were familiar with para, uh, black parapolitical organizations like the NAACP, the Urban League, all, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, 94% of them are familiar. Only 6% weren't. Um, and when I asked how many had been involved with these groups in the last 10 years or so, 76% have never been involved, were not involved in them at all, and about 24%, give or take, 21% has been involved. Now, this is the question that I, I, I really wanted to find out. Uh, I asked the question, um, how would they rate the effectiveness of these organizations, the NAACP, the CORE, the Urban League, and all of these things, how would they rate their effectiveness? Now, there was a tie, about 44% tie, that said um, they rated them effective, and then some had no opinion. But 11% that they were definitely not effective. Now, you got to ask yourself, why is that? You know, these are organizations that led to civil rights movement, led to um, what we enjoy today as blacks. And a vast majority of people think, have no opinion on their effectiveness or think they're okay. 
you know, I joined the NAACP because I thought it was the thing you're supposed to do. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't know any better. Uh, when I was in college, again, it was one of the things you do. You joined the NAACP to show that you were black, to show that you were involved in the community, concerned about community and all of that stuff, you know. You did all of that. And, uh, it's you know, again, say at the local level it was effective, but on the national level it was not very effective. Um, now, when I asked the question about, what they these you know I put out the question: Do you consider yourself as politically conservative, liberal, progressive, socialist, or none of the above? Twenty-nine um, percent of the people who answered the survey said that they are they consider themselves conservative. Eighteen uh, percent considered themselves um, liberal, and a whopping fifty-three percent neither. And of course. Uh, None answered socialist or progressive. They probably didn't even understand what that is. You know, I'm not knocking their intelligence, uh, but those, you know, those are kind of tricky things. And 88% of the fem- uh, those persons who answered were females, and that was surprising to me. You know, uh, and most of them are college educated. And, you know, have high school. You know, they're educated. They got their degrees, diplomas, and all of that, um, and a vast majority of them are uh, 65% were Christian, and they're Protestant, and all 100% were black. <laughs> now, what is, you're probably asking, what is the relevance of this survey? And, I'm, I'm, you know, the relevance is of this survey is that black people are beginning to change. Uh, now, in the South, we've always been conservative. I, I, it, it's kind of like a parad- it's an oxymoron, it's ironic, it's all those things I can't understand. Uh, the black South is largely conservative, overwhelmingly conservative. I mean, staunch conservative. They're against all this stuff that <laughs> that's promoted. You know, you ask about homosexuality, they're against it. Uh, however, however, they support candidates are largely progressive and liberal, and you know I just don't understand that. And um, most of the organizations that they are affiliated with, which include these national para black black para political organizations like the NAAC, they are affiliated with these are groups who support agendas, ideals, and issues that that most of their constituents, and especially in the South, and uh, you know I'm talking from the South. Because uh, I'm in the South, they uh, actually don't agree with, and so those those are some things that um, we got to address and we got to ask: Why is the uh, is this really relevant? You know, and I stated my point from the beginning. I really do believe that they are still relevant on a local level. You know, locally they're still relevant, but when it gets to the national level, there's a great disconnect, and that disconnect shows itself by what they promote who they endorse, and what we end up getting as black people. We're going to take a quick break, uh, quick break and we're going to come back uh, right after this.
you are today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I am the humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We're glad that you're joining us today for this wonderful day of discussion. Again, we encourage you to call in on our number, 917-388-4293. Join us in the chat room. Send us an email, ltneal.cox.net. Join us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Skype, anything else, 4G, 5G, 20G, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) All right, let's get right back into our discussion here. For the last part of the show, we've been talking about... uh, the relevance of para-black political organizations like the NAACP, uh, CORE, the Urban League, the SCLC, and you probably know about all of those things, and you're probably familiar with them. If you're not, um, study up on them, find out with them, um, and you know, see if you need to get involved with them. You may need to get involved. Uh, I, I think there's a need for young blacks and to get involved on a larger scale politically. Uh, I also want to, you know, just so you understand, those are great, uh, those are great, great organizations. But I want you to, uh, I want to present a new, uh, something you, uh, an organization you may not be familiar with. It's the Frederick Douglass Foundation. I'm a proud member of the Frederick Douglass Foundation. The Frederick, uh, Frederick Douglass Foundation uh, is an organization that is, for black people, black-minded people who are Christ-centered and country-centered. And um, if you share values, uh, Christian values, if you share a love for the country, and if you share conservative views on some issues and not all, you know, uh, then I invite you to become a member of the Frederick Douglass Foundation under the leadership of Dr. Timothy Johnson out of uh, North Carolina, who has done a great job, and I tell you, he and his um, crew, uh, uh, Executive Vice President uh, Dean Nelson, uh, uh, National Christians, uh, National Association for Politically Active Christians. These guys are on the forefront, on the forefront of the new move in America, Black America, when it comes to political involvement. And along with the NAACP, these uh, Urban League and the um, the core and SCLC, uh, which Dr. Uh, Bernice King is doing a wonderful job leading them. These guys are determined to make change possible for everybody. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, so, uh, Frederick Douglass Foundation, uh, another organization that I strongly support. Of course, I'm a member there, so I may be a little biased on that, but check it out, read about it, and you may find out that you are. Uh, would like to become a member of that. All right. So, is it relevant? Are they relevant today? And I said before, as I stated earlier, on a national level, I believe their relevance has is declining. Uh, even though their young president is great, he's he's trying to promote uh, social issues that uh, have gotten neglected by Black America and, of course, by mainstream white America. Uh, he's doing a great job of trying to shift the focus from the traditional view of the NAACP as a helpless organization trying to help the helpless into a view of an empowered organization. And on the local level, you have great people who are working with these organizations on a local level who are still fighting for the injustices that are seen. And you need to support them. Now, that may sound like a, a differentiation, uh, differing viewpoint. It's because 
again, at the national level, there is a great, great, great divide with these organizations. And the way to change that is to get involved. Um, the question is, are they needed today? Do we think we need them today? I say yes. You know, you, they are needed. Uh, there's still injustice. There's still racism. There's still oppression. Uh, not just for blacks, but for all. And, you know, you might not see our racism with lynchings and, you know, the Klan walking around anymore. But there is outright racism. Our black people are still being oppressed. And the reason we're still being oppressed is because our young people are limiting their goals. They're limiting their values. They're devaluing themselves. And we have the highest abortion rate in the country, blacks. And, you know, those of us who support life and believe life and are pro-life, and, you know, even if you're pro-choice, uh, one of the things we we need to address is this mass genocide that's going on in our black communities. And, we you know, you know, we're too scared to talk about it, but it's a reality that needs to be addressed and that that's what we should be doing. And that's what those organizations are. Social justice has not gone away. I was watching Glenn Beck and uh, Bill O'Reilly earlier this week, uh, last week, and they asked about uh, black liberation theology. What is black liberation theology? And I'm a proponent of black liberation theology. I believe that we as black people are still oppressed. We're not oppressed by Jim Crow and segregation. We're not oppressed that way. But we are still oppressed because we have a government who is allowing policies to be enforced, proper, you know, put forth that go against what we what we need. And we sit idly by and we, you know, we support these people in their office and we keep reelecting them and sending them back and we see no change in our communities. Our urban communities, both north, south, east, and west, we're finding that they are not changing. They're getting worse. You know, there's still a great great deal of violence. Yes, that violence is self-inflicted and it may be caused by drugs or all of those things. But, uh, you know, that, you know, the people we see who talk about changing our environments, changing our situations, aren't doing the job. And we keep letting them go back. And as a national organization, this NAACP and all these things, they're supposed to be uh, for for our people, and yet they're allowing these things to come in and ruin, and uh, they're propagating it instead of uh, changing it. And I'm telling you, you know, I'm fed up. I'm, I'm fed up with it. But uh, Black Liberation Theology addresses that God is the God of the oppressed. And if you don't be a, believe you're oppressed, just look. You know, you might live in the best house. You might got may have better things. But look at your children. Watch that text message. I mean, they're afraid to learn to read and write. You know, they're they, you know you know they're creative. I, I love how creative our young people are. But they don't want to be they don't want to be successful academically. When that was one of the things that this, this MLACP and all these other organizations promoted, they you know they promoted equality and they promoted uh, the best for our young blacks. And now our young blacks don't even understand what they had to go through to get it, and they don't appreciate it. And so they need to be more relevant. These organizations, you know, on a national level, they need to speak up for the reality that black people are facing. They need to speak up and say, okay, the politicians that we are endorsing have not been doing the job, and we're going to support our black men and our black women who stand for the values that we have. 
And those are the people that we're going to put into political offices. Those are the people we are going to endorse. We're going to, you know, we're going to stop supporting these people who want, you know, come to our churches and make these nice speeches and then go to Washington or go to state legislatures and we never hear back from them. That's what's killing our community. And, you know, the relevance is still there in some ways. You know, not relevant in, in, the, old, in the old time as far as, you know, trying to get out and protest. But the relevance is there in that they are a grassroots organization that black folks started, that black folks, black people saw the need for and, and empowered them for generations. It empowered them to go out and stand up for the injustices that were, stand against the injustices that were being promoted by their own government. And I believe that once the NAACP, CORE, Urban League, and all these other national organizations get back to that, get back to that, instead of crying and whining and sighing about everything that's going bad, if they get back to the roots and they get back to the relevance, they will be relevant again. All right, I, that's it for me today. I'm so glad that you guys joined in the show. And listen, I strongly encourage you to uh, uh, read our blog, read our co- leave comments. Um, uh, we'll still be on in the chat room after the show goes off. And we want you to share your opinions. Shoot us an email. Let us know if we're talking about stuff that makes you think, makes you wonder, uh, is empowering to you. We want to know. We want to hear. You know, and even give us some ideas for show topics. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be one-sided. I don't want to be double-minded or anything like that. I want uh, this show to be relevant, and I want us to do things that are good for us. So this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal's praying peace and blessings upon you and your house today and God's riches and choices grace to you. Be blessed. Take care. We'll see you again next week.